Welcome back, guys. Go live over here. Happy Friday. Um, and ready to get started. If you have taken a practice SAT and are wondering why you are plateaued despite your parents spending a couple thousand bucks for you to go to a boot camp and you having spent a gazillion months and weeks and hours taking practice tests and your official score is not coming in at where your practice test scores are coming in at or if you are a parent and are wondering why your students reading score is so much lower than their writing and their math or if you're a student and you're plateaued at 1350 or 1450 i have good news for you we have some answers <laughs> and we can help you break past your plateaus for free. Yes, I said it today. And we're gonna be talking all about that today, which is how to self-study for the SAT. So if you like this content, please hit the subscribe button, drop a like, a comment, anything, share it, so let's get started. So let's first talk about who should self-study for the SAT and who shouldn't. And before we get into the tactics on how to self-study, right? Are you even a good fit? Well, let's start with who shouldn't. Who shouldn't self-study for the SAT? If you are motivated, driven, right? Can manage your time well and stick to the plan, you are in the category of should. But if you are lazy, if you just get up at 2, 2 p.m. every day and you cannot trust yourself to actually put your best foot forward for studying for an exam, you probably shouldn't self-study. So I'm not gonna lie to you guys, self-studying for an SAT is not good for everyone. Just like becoming an entrepreneur is not good for everyone, right? So you need to be self-determined, self-motivated, and very, very, very good at time management, right? And be humble and honest with yourself to really, really be a good candidate for self-studying. But if you're anything close to overly lazy or an extreme procrastinator, this might not be the best fit for you. And I'm sorry, parents, but if you have a kid who fits that bill, ultra lazy, extreme procrastinator, you have to foot the bill and send them to something called like a boot camp, where you basically are just paying for a babysitter to administer practice tests, which is really sad if you really think about it. But let's get into, okay, who should, okay? And so, all right. Anybody who is determined to score well can and will see results if you know how to study properly, All right. So whether you are starting at a 950, yeah, I said it, 950, or you're starting at a 1350, right? You can do well. Let's get into some of the reasons why you should self-study then if you fit the bill. And if you don't, I guess you can tune in next time. But why self-study? Number one, it is practically free, right? Rather than spending thousands of dollars on some training program from XYZ company, right? It's practically free. You just have to basically, you know, either use free materials online or materials you find somewhere, or you can purchase some practice uh, test uh, tests on your own if you want to. Number two, it's highly personalized, right? Why go to a, you know, boot camp or a program where you're stuck in a room or whatever it is and it's group training and you're going over these problems that you didn't even miss and they're not even actually asking you why you missed it or how you arrived at your answer, right? One of the worst possible setups here, guys, is you don't want to go to a one-size-fits-all training center to help you with your own issues on this test, okay? So number two, another reason why it's good to self-study, it's insanely personalized to just you. And there's only one of you last time I checked in the whole wide world. And number three, it's super flexible around your other commitments, okay? Like, 
life doesn't revolve around SAT and ACT training, right? You have other stuff going on, whether it's summer classes, whether it's sleep, whether it's hanging out with your friends or reading or volunteering or playing sports, whatever else you got going on, right? Self-studying, you set your own time, right? And as long as you stick to it, it's all good. You can be as flexible as you want. So let's start, let's start by talking about basically how to self-study. I'm going to cover the seven, I'm going to go over the six, sorry, six steps to effectively self-studying. So take notes, have something ready to take some notes down because I'm not going to repeat these unless you check out our portal, which I'll talk about at the end called GoPath, right? Where I'll be going into each of these six steps in great depth over there. But today I'll be focusing on number, let's see, I think it's number three, right? Which is just learning. But here are the steps. I'm going to go and go through the six steps. And then I'm going to really focus on the one, guys, that I think is the key. It's what I call the secret to studying for the SAT. Okay. So if you're interested in self-studying for the SAT, stay tuned. If not, get out of here. Number one, you want to determine your baseline score. It's what we call your baseline score. So meaning if you take this test cold, no preparation, okay, whether you're in 10th grade or 11th grade or whatever, right? Or even, or even if you want to give a shot earlier than that, say 7th grade or 8th grade, take the test cold, no preparation, see how you do. Just see how you would do if you had no prep. That's your baseline score. And guys, in general, okay, from your baseline score, it's possible to typically see a point bump of typically 100 to 200 points, right? So it's, it's good to know, okay, well, where would I start? And you'd be surprised, guys. I've worked with 4.0 students. I've trained students from all over the world, by the way, guys. The most elite ones who are going for, you know, 1,600, they're sitting at 1,520. So the ones who started at 900s, right? And they're just barely, they're, they've been told by a tons of test agencies that they cannot achieve anything more than 1,100. By the way, there's one student who we ended up getting to 1,300s, despite what everyone else is telling her. So here's what I learned, okay? Number one, you got to learn your baseline score. Where do you start? Where's your starting point, right? If you, let's say you take this test cold, you're 1,300, right? No prep. I got good news for you. I think chances are you can go as high as 1,500, but you're likely, it's what I call your likely range. It's probably closer to, let's say, 1,400 to 1,450, right? If you work really hard over the course of several months, right? Number two, the next step in self in self-studying is to diagnose your content weaknesses and knowledge holes. This is really important. So let's say you take this test cold, 1300, right? And you, when you're looking over the questions, right? There, you're gonna notice some certain questions or certain content areas that you're just not very good at. Whether it's math, perhaps it had to do with, you know, functions, graphs, right, perhaps. Or if it's maybe English or reading, right? Maybe there's certain concepts you weren't very good at you want to pay specific attention to the underlying concepts or what I call the content weaknesses. Because unless you fill those content weaknesses, you're never going to get better at this test. Guys, I want to repeat this. Find and diagnose your content weaknesses. So where is your knowledge missing? Right? I don't care how many times you take this practice test. Okay, you can take, I've had students, by the way, guys, who've literally taken hundreds of practice tests and were plateaued at the same spot, right? And it has nothing to do with the amount of practice you get. It's the amount of knowledge you have in your foundations, right? And so if you're missing foundations, that's like missing bricks in a foundation of a skyscraper. Now imagine having a whole bunch of holes, you know, at the base of a skyscraper. What's going to eventually happen is that skyscraper is going to fall down, right? The whole thing's going to come crashing down. So um, step three, naturally, you want to reinforce and relearn, right, or fill those holes that you've identified, okay? So if you don't 
know quadratics really well, if you don't know maybe parallelism and grammar and English mechanics very well, right? You need to relearn those concepts, fill those holes in, right? So that when you actually now take a practice test, you have a solid foundation as opposed to a bunch of holes in it, right? So step four is you wanna then adopt test taking skills. So once you've kind of identified where the weaknesses are in your foundation, you fill those holes, now that's when you wanna layer on test taking skills. You don't wanna layer on test taking skills on top of a weak foundation. Right, I hope you guys are understanding that, right? Because we used to send our kids to Elite, XL, Perfect 1600, and when it was 2400 as well, we sent our kids gladly to these, these training centers, hoping and, and believing that they would work, and they didn't. Year after year after year after year, they just didn't, you know? And we were like, why is this happening? And then that's when we started examining, me specifically, started examining what's wrong with the training approach? Why is it not working despite all those months and all those dollars that our parents and students were spending, right? And this is what I found. No one was filling in the knowledge holes effectively, okay? So they were just teaching the test taking skills and giving it these, barely even sometimes, they were just really shoving down tests, uh, practice tests down students' throats, okay? So don't be that person. You gotta train smart before you train hard, okay? Don't just train stupid and hard. That's not the right way to go. Step five is to practice without pressure. So before you dive into timed exams, how about you show me that you can do exceptionally well if you had unlimited time, right? I like to equate this in America, there's a competition called three gun. And the, the whole idea of three gun is to basically pick up three different kinds of guns and shoot a whole bunch of different targets in as fast as possible time. Well, imagine if I told you to pick up a rifle and shoot 10 targets in three seconds and you didn't even know how to shoot one target, you cannot. I give you a whole, you know, bucket of bullets and you can't. Well, we probably got to work on accuracy <laughs> before we work on the time and the pressure, right? So the same thing works, applies here with the standardized test, guys, is you got to make sure if you were given unlimited time, can you score 100%? And I am willing to bet most of you guys out there, whoever's listening, cannot. In fact, not even close to 100%. If I give you 100% or 100 unlimited time, you'll probably score something close to 80% or 90%, right? If, you're, if your foundations are decently strong, right? So what are we doing here, right? We're trying to take this test without pressure to identify ourselves a chance, right? To really focus on accuracy of logic and use our foundational knowledge that we've accumulated, right? And identify, really identify the areas that we're not very strong at foundationally, right? Which brings me to final step six, which is practice with pressure. Once you fill in all your holes and you have strong accuracy, meaning if given unlimited time, I'm doing exceptionally well on math, reading, writing, right? Now I'll go ahead and bake in time, right? I'll now turn on, you know, the 65 minutes for reading. I'll turn on the time for math. I'll turn on time for English and language, right? So one, two, three, four, five, six, okay? And today I'm gonna to talk about one of them in great detail to emphasize, because I want, I want you guys to really kind of nail this. It's really the secret. What are those six steps again to self-studying? One, determine your baseline score. Take this test cold. How would you do if you had no preparation? That is, I would argue, somewhat of a reflection of your foundations. Number two, diagnose your content holes or weaknesses. Where are you missing knowledge? And how do you relearn those things, which is step number three? relearn the things or learn the things, right? That you just don't really know that well, right? Really don't, don't focusize on the problem you missed, focus on the concept, right? That's the key. Number four, 
adopt test taking skills. Okay. After you filled your foundations and your holes, you want to then practice test taking. Number five, practice without pressure. Okay. Can you do well on this exam with unlimited time? And if the answer is no, stay right there. All right. Stay right there. Rinse, repeat, find your holes, fill those holes. And once you get good with unlimited time, then you want to go ahead and practice with pressure, with time, right? How do I do under pressure now? And really, you know, guys, I want to really pay special, special, special attention to step number three, which is to learn, right? This is not studying for the SAT. The secret to studying for the SAT is actually to learn for the SAT, okay? I've had students who come in at the ninth grade, literally, I'm not making this up, even this last year, I had two students who came in the ninth grade, had not prepared a day for this exam and scored on the SAT, they scored above 1500. And on the ACT, they scored a 34 and a 35 respectively, right? On the official exam, <laughs> first try, no preparation, no boot camp, no nothing. And I'll have at the same time, guys, 11th and 12th grades taken a whole bunch of AP exams and they cannot for the life of them break 1400. They cannot for the life of them break 33 or 32 on the ACT. Why? Why is it that the 11th and 12th grader with advanced coursework cannot break those scores and they plateaued? And the underclassmen who are coming in at ninth grade, right, or 10th grade, barely, right, are naturally getting, it's because, well, it's not natural at all, it's the foundations, right? The ninth grader or the 10th grader that I'm talking about their foundations in algebra, algebra two, geometry were so strong, they didn't need to have to take pre-calculus or calculus to get maxed out on math. They've been reading a lot and not walking, watching Snapchat, YouTube, Instagram, Netflix every day, all day. They've been said, been reading, right? Investing their time into actually learning how to critically think. And so they almost max out on reading and writing as well, right? It's those foundations that they bring into the test day that ultimately translates to those higher test scores, right? So I don't care how many times you take this test, guys. You have to learn for the SAT, not take the SAT or study for the SAT to get really good at this thing. Otherwise, you're going to hit plateau, 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 plateau. And I'll tell you those two plateau points, 1350. 1450. I've been working here in the Silicon Valley for long enough to know that everyone here emphasizes STEM. And as a result, you're either an 800 of math, usually, or a 700 of math. And the delta typically is constantly 600, right? Or less in the reading writing department because no one invests in critical reading here. So guys, the key, the secret to self-studying for the SAT is to invest at least 80% of your time, not in taking practice tests, but in learning the concepts you don't really know that well. That's the secret. And that's what I learned as an elite and advanced level trainer for students all across the world for many years now. I've seen it all before, guys. So hopefully this helps you guys, you know, as you're deciding on how to study for this, if you're still interested in studying for it this summer, this spring, if you're a parent, you know, and you're looking to save yourself a couple thousand dollars from enrolling your students in a program that doesn't even work or barely works and saps the life out of your students uh, here in, in the summer, please, guys, you know, trust me, learn, don't study, don't take per se, learn first, right? Then study the skills and then take the practice tests you need. And for 
a deep dive into the rest of the tips, right? Today that I mentioned, whether it's how to accurately determine your baseline score, how to determine what exactly is your upward bound range, right? Relative to that, right? If you come in at say like 1100 versus if you come in at a, say a 1450, how much do you know, right? You can improve and in, in how much time, right? Or what exactly are the test taking skills that you need to learn that aren't just gimmicks, right? It isn't just, oh, read the first sentence in the last sentence of a paragraph, right? If you're looking for the best self-study tactics for the SAT or any test for that matter, check us out on GoPath, guys. It's actually our one-stop shop for affordable and complete college counseling, and it is in development. Inquire within. Send us an email to admit at readyedgego.com. That's A-D-M-I-T at readyedgego.com, and we will send you info on how to, how to get that content as well as way more cool stuff. So guys, hope you enjoyed today's episode. Happy Friday. Stay safe. I'll see you next time.